Welcome back to the show, everyone. It's Dina Calmetta here and Susan Davis with Jesus 24-7. And today, we're going to talk about a topic titled, The Great Falling Away. Susan, very interesting title, which lines up perfectly with Bible prophecy. Well, right, Dina, and that's the focus of our show today. I think it's apropos to start out with the the scripture that talks about this in the Bible, and it comes from 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, and 4. So let's take a look. It says, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And then we go back to look at some other scripture that coordinates with this falling away. And we can look into Revelation chapter 3, verse 7 through 9, and it says, To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of the one who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. goes on to say, I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door, which no one can shut, for you have only a little strength. Yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Look at those who belong to the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews but are liars instead. I will make them come and bow down at your feet, and they will know that I love you. Okay, in that passage right there, Jesus is addressing the Church of Philadelphia. Among seven churches, Philadelphia stands out, plus some overcomers from the other churches, as the ones who make the cut as far as being right with the Lord. And notice in this passage, it says, for you have only a little strength. Okay, as I've said before, does that mean they're weaklings? No, it means they're not great in numbers. They're just a few. And so let's continue on. Take a look in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 through 14. It says, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, kindreds, people, and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. And 10 it says, And cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving, honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, and this is John speaking here, what are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came thee? So we have an elder addressing John of Revelation, and he's asking, do you know who these people are? The elder goes on to say in 14, and I said unto him, sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Okay, so the elder is explaining to John that this vast number of people that he can't even count are the great tribulation saints. They don't make the rapture. They are 
caught in tribulation. Okay, so let's take a look at this scripture from Luke 13, 24. And it says, And he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter into the straight gate for many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. And so why I'm reading all these scriptures is we're pointing to the great falling away. Now the question is, are we seeing trends in our culture today that indicate that there is a great falling away? So we're going to look at this, Dina. We're going to take a hard look at this today. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, and I want to mention a project that somebody took on themselves, and don't ask me who it was, because I don't know the individual, but I was really impressed with what he did. He just did his own little survey, and he looked up the 30 largest churches in America based on population, based on attendance and membership. Okay, and we're talking about churches in the United States that have anywhere from 10,000 to 20,000 members average. And this would include a couple of the churches you might recognize is Rick Warren's Saddleback Church. You've heard of that one, right, Dina? Yes, I have. And the other one was uh, Joel Olstein's church. And you've heard of him and his church. Of course, of course. Of course, of course. So he included those large church populations, and he collected the 30 largest churches in America, and he decided to just on a random Sunday, he wanted to look at what their sermons were, what the sermon topics were, and believe it or not, of 30 churches on a random Sunday with the largest population of members in the country, not one of them we're talking about end times or the coming rapture, okay? Now, that could that information could either be shocking to you or no surprise, right? <laughs> you know, and so the Bible is so incredibly accurate. When it says that there's going to be a falling away, we know that it's going to happen and it's true. And so we're going to take a look at some trends based on statistics. These statistics have come from two sources and i'll tell you where i got them anybody can look this information up it's free to the public free access you can just go on the internet and look this information up just like i did pull this together and we're going to talk about it and i'll tell you the two sources that i'm using and the one is called lifeway research they are a Christian organization that does, uh, I, think, I think their primary thing is selling books. But they actually provided data in the uh, Before the Wrath movie starring Kevin Sorbo. Do you remember that movie? Yes, I do. So the data in that was provided by this same group. And then the other group is called uh, Pew Research Center. I'm not talking about PU. I'm talking about Pew, (laughs) P-E-W. But um, so there you go. They are also a well-known statistician for the Christian, you know, industry or whatever you want to say. But uh, these are well-known statistical collecting groups. And we're just going to take a look at the overall picture of, of Christianity right now. And where does it stand? 
So let's take a look here. It says a third of those who attend religious services less than weekly, 34%, believe religious leaders hardly care about them, and almost three times as much as those who attend weekly feel the same way, and that's 12%. And so those who don't attend church regularly are more wary of pastors across the board. So more than half which is 56%, say religious leaders rarely admit mistakes and take responsibility. Well, that's a pretty big figure. I mean, that's a lot of mistrust for religious leaders. And so the popularity and of the church today is waning in the eyes of not just even the people in attendance, but the people that, you know, just the secular people in general. And, I mean, in part, you can blame the media because the media rushes to get a juicy story on the Christian churches. So a lot of that can be blamed on, you know, our popular culture in general. But I think a whole lot of the blame also can go back to the churches as well. There actually was a survey done And it's been a few years, but I'll tell you what, the statistics, they surveyed pastors. 40% of the pastors admitted to having problems with pornography in the survey. And a similar survey said the pastors admitted that they only spent on average about seven minutes a day in prayer. That was about all they did. On average. And it's interesting because the two statistical findings will kind of like explain each other. Like, okay, if the average time they're spending in prayer is seven minutes a day, then of course they're going to be battling, you know, 40% admit to having issues with pornography. So they just kind of go hand in hand. If you have a slight relationship with the Lord, then you're going to have a stronger relationship with the enemy. And and this just sort of goes hand in hand. Now, what does that mean to the end user, the churchgoer, the congregant, when you get statistics like these that come out in reports? Okay, well, here is what I have to say. If there are that many pastors who admit having struggles with that these are the ones who admit there may be more than that even well the concern for people in these churches should be okay is my pastor a reliable source of understanding the bible and if they're involved and engaged in that kind of activity then their prayer life is going to be hindered right dina that's right The upshot of that is since you don't know whether your pastor's prayer life is hindered or not, then the best thing for you as a Christian to do is you must seek the Lord on your own, apart from your church. Because when you stand before the Lord, you will, in fact, give an account of your life. Here's the thing. You will be standing there with your pastor. He will not be defending you. You will be there on your own. And if you haven't come into a relationship with the Lord and pursuing him on a regular basis, you're really setting yourself up for a fail if you just rely on a church visit once or twice a month or or more. And so that's my concern. But now let's take a look at some more information here. It says that more than two in five which is a total of 43% say religious leaders care about people like them only a little or not at all compared to what 19% of Christians say or believe. So not high figures for people's support of pastors 
and how they feel towards them. So that's not a that is not a good statement about pastors of churches right now. But like I said, the statistics are not good. And when you come to the pastors admitting that they're struggling themselves in these areas, that's not a good look. So we've got a stat here that says less than half of millennials identify as Christian. So among millennials, however, slightly less than half identify as Christian. Around 1 in 10, which is 9%, say they are part of a non-Christian faith, and while 40% are religious unaffiliated. So the, the young people are falling away dramatically. These are some dramatic figures. More than half of churchgoers have not shared the gospel recently. Okay, I want to read this. A majority of those who attend Protestant church at least once a month, and that's 56%, say they pray for opportunities to tell others about Jesus at least once a week. According to a LifeWay research study, with 23% praying for such moments daily. Yet, a similar percentage, 55% say they have not shared with someone how to become a Christian in the past six months. Wow. That's astounding. That's an astounding figure that, you know, statistically, uh, the number of Christians are, are saying they admit in surveys that over half, a little over half, do not share their faith with anybody. And that's a very, you know, I want to say something about this, Dina, because we live in a time where it's more, how do I put it, easy to spread the gospel than any other time in history because of social media and internet access Mm -hmm. and texting emails you name it facebook okay all of these instagram whatever you're doing these guys have the ability to spread their testimonies and their feelings about jesus like never before and yet over half of the church is saying we don't do it and so I would, I would classify this as a big portion of evidence towards, you know, that we're in a falling away period. Absolutely. Okay, so let's keep looking. This is interesting. Churchgoers are split over the existence of more sexual abuse within Protestant congregations. So LifeWay Research found 32% of Protestant churches believe many more Protestant pastors have sexually abused children or teens than have been currently exposed. That's a pretty large percent. Would you agree? Yeah. And I hate to say it, but in my many years of church activity, I have seen unbelievable events that they're describing there just swept under the rug. So I have to agree with that statistic. I would definitely be in that category of seeing just unbelievable stuff going on in the church. The church does not police itself, okay? And it does not because a lot of the churches are run by religious spirits and can be classed as lukewarm now, okay? And that's why. Okay, we're, we're going to move forward. Now, this is interesting. Most teens drop out of church when they become young adults. How about that? Two-thirds, okay, 66% 
of American young adults who attended a Protestant church regularly for at least a year as a teenager say they also dropped out for at least a year between the ages of 18 and 22. Okay, that is a big chunk of our population, our young people between ages 18 through 22. Isn't that phenomenal? I can believe that. The yeah. times that we're in. Right. And I believe that a lot of this is, you know, demonic influence in the lives of young people. And we've talked about these topics before. It's hard because, you know, once they get into college and the influence they get from their colleges, their schools, and those environments, even Christian colleges, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be real hard. And, you know, and, and they're also discouraged with the messages that they're getting from the churches. Here's an interesting statistic, Dina. How about this? 86% of females, Christians, are more likely than males, 79%, to pray in their own words. Okay? And what I'm talking about, their own words, is, you know, actually just talking to God versus a rote prayer. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? That's very interesting. And... As far as geographic, here in America, it says those in the South, 86% are more likely to pray in their own words than those in the Northeast, which is 77%. That's so, very interesting. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that is a huge, hugely indicative of how people feel towards God. I mean, they're approaching God on kind of a rote prayer relationship versus having a true relationship with believing that God is approachable as a person, an individual. What do you think about that? I think the problem there is that people know him as a religious God, not on a personal level. They're going through the religious motions, but they're not getting to know him personally, taking that time to get to know him personally. It's about religion for a lot of people. I think you're definitely on to something there, Dina. And I think that the crux of the problem is that the churches have kicked the Holy Spirit out of their churches because it's through the Holy Spirit that we are able to understand the Bible, that, you know, they don't want moves of the Holy Spirit, they want to disallow that, and and that stems from religious spirits on the scene and things of that nature, but when the Holy Spirit isn't in full form, action, then all you have left is a God that is basically, you know, created in the minds of men to worship, and that is a lifeless God, right? Yes, yes, yes. All right, well, let's take a look at this next one, which is just, wow, nearly two in five Americans, including half of U.S. Christians and a quarter of the religiously affiliated, say we're living in the end times. Okay, so two in five Americans. Okay, I want to say that is a big chunk missing. Three Americans out of five do not believe we're in the end times. That's really bad. It goes on, this is from the group Pew Research. They say close to two in five Americans agree we are living in the end times. The study further divides the end times believers into two groups. Those who believe Jesus will return to earth someday. Okay, so what I'm doing here is I'm saying, okay, forget about the three America, 
three in this group that don't believe, we're looking at the two. The two and five, they are divided into two groups. So now we're down to one. One person in five, okay, that's how that works, believes Jesus will return to earth someday and the world situation will worsen until then. That's approximately 14% of Americans. And everyone else who believes these are the end times do not hold to the same belief. So now we've whittled that figure down to one in five literally believes that Jesus will return to earth someday. And that is a huge blow. I mean, as far as what Americans believe about the return of Jesus, it's very low percentage. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. And that's why only a remnant will get caught up. Right. Right. And so these statistics track with the Bible. Isn't that interesting? The Bible is always the standard. And uh, the statistics are proving the Bible is accurate once again. Back to Pew Research again. They say 39% of adults believe humanity is living in the end times. So about 4 in 10 adults in the United States believe humanity's living in these end times. Well, that means 6 out of 10 do not believe it. Okay? So I want to say... This is interesting. In the United States, 39% of adults say they believe we are living in end times, while 58% say they do not believe that. And then Christians are divided on this question. 47% say we are living in end times, including majorities in historically black, 76%, and evangelical, 63%, Protestant traditions. And also, meanwhile, 49% of Christians say we are not living in the end times, including of that figure, 70% of Catholics, 65% mainline Protestants who say this. Okay, this is like, wow, that is a huge percentage that don't believe we're in the end times right now. If these people don't believe we're in the end times, then they're not going to be looking for Jesus actively according to these statistics. And so, once again, the Bible is accurate. Okay, so how about education? What does education play in this role? This is fascinating. Americans without college degrees are more likely than college graduates to believe humanity is approaching its end, as are Americans with lower income levels when compared with those with higher incomes. And Republicans and Republican-leaning independents are more likely than Democrats and Democratic leaners to express this belief. So really no surprise on some of that. I hate to say it, but our higher education is, you know, not contributing to the understanding and support of the Bible. And we know that. We know that the colleges and uh, the schools, even the Christian colleges, are falling off. You're not going to find a lot of support for the, the Christian ideals in the higher education. It's very evident. Mm -hmm. All right. How about this? Let's take a look. A slight majority of Americans believe Jesus will return to earth one day. This is from Pew Research. And boy, these figures are something. 55% believe. But we go back and we see that 25% uh, say no, 16% say they don't even believe in Jesus. These are of uh, these Christians. So how about this one? When asked if Jesus will return to earth someday, more than half of all U.S. adults 
which is 55%, including three-quarters of Christians, say this will happen. Now, Protestants in the evangelical 92% and historically black 86% traditions are more likely than other Christians to say there will eventually be a second coming of Jesus. Roughly 4 in 10 Americans either do not believe Jesus will return to earth or 25% say they do not believe in Jesus at all, and that's 16%. Now, I think it's interesting that these surveyors, Dina, do not really talk about rapture. They refer to Jesus as, you know, coming in the second coming. So we're losing a lot of interest in the concept of the rapture. We've got a whole lot of, a whole chunk of people, oh yeah, he's coming back, but they are just even disregarding the rapture in, in these surveys even. Of course. Right, right. Of course, yeah. Again, that's why only a remnant will mm-hmm. go in the rapture. Right. The proportion of Americans who say they believe Jesus will definitely or probably return during their lifetime is higher among Protestants in historically black tradition and evangelical Protestants, and lower among Catholics and mainline Protestants, and the share of Black and Hispanic Americans who believe that the second coming of Jesus will likely occur during their lifetime is greater than the corresponding share of white, non-Hispanic Americans. And, I mean, I think that's fairly evident, and we can see that happening. The church is falling away dramatically on these important beliefs. How important is this? Well, I personally believe, given, you know, the evidence going on around the world, that the rapture and being prepared for the rapture is should be of utmost priority to the churches today and is totally not. And so we're going to continue to look at the ramifications of this. How about this? One in ten U.S. adults believe Jesus will definitely or probably return in their lifetime. Only one in ten. Wow. Okay, okay. So, how does it break out? Only 10% say yes, Jesus will definitely probably return in their lifetime. 27% says they're not sure if Jesus will return within their lifetime. 90% says no, Jesus will definitely and probably not return in their lifetime. And then finally, 41% do not believe Jesus will return to earth, and they do not even believe in Jesus. So 10%. Now, this statistics comes from the Pew Research Center and their research. And they're actually, that's what they do. They do this kind of research all the time. So they're pretty good at what they do. Pretty accurate in their findings. This next statistic, 4 in 10 U.S. adults believe we are living in the end times. Of that 4, okay, this statistic, 39% believe humanity is living in the end times, okay? So 39% say, yeah, we're in the end times. 14% says Jesus will return to earth someday and the world situation will worsen until then. That's 14%. 25% all other end-time believers, and a whopping 58% say do not believe humanity is living in the end times. Nearly 60% of U.S. adults say we are not in the end times. That's what they say. More than half. Yeah. Yep. And we see then 40% remain, and we carve that up even smaller 
as far as people who believe in rapture. So we're going to take that. We're going to take a look at this. We've got another. Now, this is the same group, the Pew Research, and we want to look at additional views about end times theology. What do they actually believe? Well, each of these positions about specific circumstances of Jesus's return are held by a minority of U.S. adults. According to Pew Research, there's something called the pre-millennial belief are more common than the post-millennial beliefs. Let me jump into another report, which was done by the um, other researcher, Lifeway, and they talk about this very thing also in their research. And it says, traditionally, Christian perspectives on the end times have been divided between pre-millennialism, a-millennialism, and post-millennialism. Okay, that sounds a little heavy duty, but we're going to break it down and we're going to explain to you what that means. What do they believe? And it says they found Protestant pastors split among the three, the three beliefs. Okay, so let's take a look. Okay, post-millennialism asserts that the world will gradually improve and the thousand years happens prior to Jesus's physical return. Okay, you, you know, you can't believe anybody would believe that. These people, the post-millennialists, believe that the world will improve and first the thousand year happens prior to jesus's physical return it's crazy yeah it's 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 but uh they're statistically 11 percent are post-millennial okay all right well that but still this is 11 percent are not on track at all with the bible okay so then we have this group the a millennialism group and they believe the rain is figurative and is already happening as christ rules in the hearts of believers okay mm -hmm. you want me to just read that again <laughs> <laughs> read it again for those that didn't hear okay a millennialism believes the rain is figurative and is already happening as christ rules in the hearts of believers oh boy Okay, so I just gave you the breakdown. The post-millennialism, they believe that things are going to improve before Jesus shows up. That's 11%. And then we have this amillennialism, which Jesus never shows up. He's already in our hearts, okay? so That's horrible. It's horrible to okay. even think about. Yeah, right. 31% are amillennial. Okay, so if you put together those figures, you get 31 and 11, you've got 42% are believing in apostate views, okay? And teaching, these are coming from the churches, okay? All right, well, let's look at the third option, which is premillennialism. It says the return of Christ will usher in the thousand-year reign and is often connected with circumstances in the world worsening until his second coming. So, because of this, the Pew Research classified anyone as premillennial if they say Jesus will return to Earth someday and the world situation will worsen until then. Okay, so <laughs> that would be the rest of it, you know, that would be half, 48% are premillennial. So that's all, okay? So when I go back and I give you that figure, I gave you that figure before that it was literally one in five Americans believe we're in the end times. Of that one, you if you break it down into these three groups, only 
48% of the one in five Americans who believe in end times actually believe the Bible is what it says, that we're going to have a period of tribulation and then Jesus will return to earth in the second coming. That is 48% of that one that believes we're, that one in five that believes we're in the end times. I know this is a little tough to fit, but I'm telling you, uh, these statistics absolutely reflect the great falling away, okay? Three in ten from other religions believe the end is near, including 4% who assert a pre-millennial Christian view of Jesus' return. Almost one in four religiously unaffiliated, 23%, say these are the end times including 4% who believe Jesus will come back to earth as things continue to worsen. That's of the non-believing crowd, though those percentages, of course, are going to be low. So the question arises in research here, what do churches teach about end times? Okay, and this was among U.S. pastors at evangelical and historically black Protestant churches were surveyed. 56% say their churches have a stated position on the sequence of end times. And 41% are unsure. Okay, so now we're looking at the percent. We're down to one in five Americans. And if we divide that up, 56% actually have a stated position on the sequence of end times events. That doesn't mean they have the right position. It just means they have a position. While 41% of those 1% say they have no idea. They have no idea what to believe or have a statement of what they believe. Okay? Do you hear what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so let's break this down further. 64% say their churches do not require staff to hold specific end times beliefs. Okay? 33% say yes. They do require their staff to hold the same belief that they have, and 3% are unsure. Okay, so 64% of their churches do not require staff. I'm not talking about congregates. I'm talking about their ministry staff to hold specific end times beliefs. So their ministry, 64% of the churches say that their staff can be all across the board in their beliefs. And you know what that means? That means that from the top down, there is not instruction and teaching in order for the staff, let alone the congregates, to get on the same page. Do you hear what I'm saying? Let me give the ministry work that we do. For example, every one of the people who works in the ministry that we're involved in, whether it be with our website, the Facebook pages, or the videos, everything that we're involved in, translations, everyone that we work with believes identically to each other. They all are on the same page. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a difference that makes. Can you imagine if if we all worked, you know, if our ministry work, which is God's ministry, really not ours, but God's ministry, was willy-nilly going in all directions, it would just be supreme chaos, right? Yes, it would. Okay, let's get back to this one. How often do you speak to your church about end times and prophecy? Okay, let's see what they have to say. Based on this research, they say several times a month, only 12%. About once a month, 12%. Several times a year, 48%. 
about once a year, 11%, rarely, 11%, never, 3%. So three in four pastors speak on end times prophecy several times a year. But this statistic here, several times a month, only 12% of the end times believing churches which I said now is one in five U.S. surveyed. I mean, now you can see. Now, I wanted to bring this up because here's the situation. When the Christians go to church, Dina, they may attend. If you survey Christians, you'd have to agree that fewer Christians would attend church like every service. They're at every service without question. So now if you start to look, there's going to be Christians who attend church maybe a couple times a month. They, and they and in their mind, that is church attendance if they go a couple times a month. Okay, let's say, okay, you have someone, oh yeah, I'm a church goer, and they go two times a month. So they go into that church, and what they're going to get is... They've got an hour-long service, maybe a little longer, and it's going to be broken down. There's going to be music and singing. There's going to be announcements. There might be some other activities. Ultimately, the pastor will speak for 20 minutes. Sermon average is 20 minutes, and rarely do sermons go up to 45 minutes or longer. It's a very rare for some reason they like a 20-minute survey obviously they think that you know people will not listen beyond 20 minutes so that's the average okay so if that individual considers church going their only connection to god they are hearing a total of 40 minutes of a sermon or teaching a month that would be their average and if the pastor is only offering on 12% are saying that they would touch on end times several times a month and others much, you know, several times a year, 48%. That This tells me that the church overall is not getting the message. The message that Jesus is coming and you need to get ready is not getting through to them through the churches. And so what we're seeing is the great falling away. We are literally in the great falling away. Here's a question. Preaching end-time prophecies from the book of Revelation is only 32% say it's very important. 28% think it's important. Somewhat important, 30%, and not important at all, 10 So the majority of the church is saying, no, it's not important to preach end-time prophecies from the book of Revelation, generally speaking. Now, what about spending time with eschatology and understanding the Bible? Only 42% say it's somewhat important to not at all important that's crazy yeah these are actual statistics and that was from lifeway got that statistic okay this is astounding one in four pastors say the rapture is not literal and almost one in five thinks the rapture happens after the tribulation okay so now we have one in four pastors saying the rapture is not literal and one in five says the rapture happens post-trib Okay, we're really whittling down those who actually teach and preach that there is a literal rapture and that it is not a post-trib event. And so I think that what we can conclude from looking at these actual church statistics, ministry statistics done by two 
not just one, but two well-known research firms. And in one case, they actually called a thousand pastors and interviewed them by phone to get these statistics. I think that we can easily see that the church is now in serious trouble. And we are here in what is called the great falling away, Dina. I would have to agree with you completely. Those are some crazy numbers. Right. And I think the other thing we can conclude is with this evidence is that Jesus has to be closing in, not only by what we see going on in the world with wars, rumors of wars and cataclysmic weather events and hearts waxing cold. We can see it in the statistics. The Bible predicted that there would be a great falling away and it is here. It is now. Now, what does this mean to anybody listening? It means turn your heart over to the Lord right now. Get serious with him. Don't rely on your church for all of your teaching. You need to go to the Holy Spirit. You need to surrender to the Lord. You need to read the Bible yourself after you've surrendered to the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Because he's the one that's going to get this information to you in an understandable way. There, you know, when I talk about reading a book, who understands the book that's been written better than the author? And that's the same thing with the Bible. There's no one that can explain that book better than the Holy Spirit because he's the author of it. And so we need to have a close relationship with the Lord through the power of the Holy Spirit like never before because the church is completely unreliable in so many ways. The church has fallen. And so we need that one-on-one relationship with the Lord like never before. And so I think I'm going to close with this, with that final point. I think that's going to do it for this this particular show. Well, thank you, Susan, so much for sharing those numbers with us in these reports. For all of you, you can find this video on Susan's YouTube channel, Marriage Supper of the Lamb Ministries, as well as my YouTube, and also our Rumble and BitChute accounts, and on podcast. And we want to hear from you. So please do leave your comments below this video. And Susan, is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, Yeah, just thanks to you, Dina, for all your hard work on this project. And uh, we'd like to direct people to our group page, Rapture is Very Soon, because we happen to believe that Rapture is very soon over there. (laughs) And uh, we are now at 136,000 people. So there are some people who do believe as we do. So join us over there. You'll be in good company. I will have that information underneath this video as well. All right, everybody. Thank you again, Susan. Thank you to the audience for tuning in. And we will talk to you soon, Lord willing. God bless.